Hello and welcome to the Slow Home Podcast. My name is Brooke McCallery. My name is Ben McCallery and I was wondering whether you were going to just relapse into the old intro, but you didn't. I didn't. Congratulations. Thank you. Welcome to season 839. Yeah. Season what? Seven. Season seven, and which we're going to, it will always be remembered as the launch of care episode season. Yeah, sure. really. Let's go with that. Yeah. It's the launch season of care. Yeah, at no time was that the plan. No. But here we are. Yep. And if the last 18 months has taught us anything, it is to expect the unexpected and deal with what you find on the day. Exactly. <laughs> and I'm really excited that the day today finds me talking to a wonderful person who I have followed on Instagram mostly for years and always been inspired by, but also just drawn to because she seemed like a really ace human being. And that is Emily Ellers from Eco with M. You may know her for her amazingly iconic illustrations and quote sort of tiles and stuff on Instagram, but she is so much more than that. M has heart beyond the vast majority of people who are what I would consider heart-centered. Okay. like That's a nice thing to say. Yeah. So I, I, I'm lucky to have spoken to and to follow a lot of heart-centered people. Mm-hmm. And she is up there near the top of that group. What do you think makes her different? She's really honest. Mm. And that's to me is very attractive in, you know, in seeking out voices is honesty and vulnerability but she's also really funny. Like her work is funny and it it sort of tickles she, she tickles the same funny bone that I have. And I think the first time I came across her work was years ago and she was like parod- parodying old films and turning them from um you know turning their titles from it for example mm. into shit and it was about like disposable culture and she has this whole series of them. Cool. And I don't know, I just it just appealed to me. And then the more I kind of got to know her via social media, the more I just dug her as a person. Mm-hmm. And I got to speak to her. This, to be fair, was quite a few weeks ago now. And as we said last week, there has been a delay in putting out this season. Uh, but when I did speak to her, I just got off the call lit up mm, from within. I do remember that. Yeah, it's it was a real pleasure. What I do want to say as well is that M has a beautiful new book, which is out uh, now. It wasn't out when I spoke to her, but it is out now. And it's called Hope is a Verb. Uh, it is a stunning hardcover illustrated book that really... Illustrated book for everyone. For everyone. Well, yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. Because... Um, it is targeted to adults, but really appeals to kids, kind of our kids' ages, especially our daughter. But yes, it is a book that appeals to so many people and really meets us where the majority of us find ourselves, which is in this in-between land of feeling despair at the state of the planet and the politicians who are making decisions about the future of the planet and our own desire to make changes to the way we live personally. And there's this big kind of gap in the middle where we don't feel like our changes, our 
shifts, even our community offerings are enough to really shift the needle. And M speaks to that. Mm. And it's really uplifting. How does it compare? I know it's an illustrative book, but how does it compare to the messages in care? There's definitely a really beautiful crossover Mm. because in all of her work, M talks about the importance of love and kindness and the fact that no act is too small to make a difference. Uh, And also, like I said before, authenticity and vulnerability and honesty. So to me, I mean, they make sense together. And I I really like that they were born in the same year, kind of within six weeks of each other. And uh, yeah, I imagine that people who are keen to read Care would really enjoy Hope is a Verb as well. So where can people learn more about M and also her book? So if you head to her website, eco with M, so E-C-O with em.com that's where you can find links to all of her work she has a store where she sells prints of her work too and you can also find her on instagram facebook too i think but uh yeah head to her website and that will point you in all of the directions that you need to find out more about her so on that note i really hope you enjoy today's episode my conversation with em And I also really hope that you enjoy some tunes from Shred Kelly. Lovely M. Ellis, how are you? I'm good. So nice to be here. (laughs) It's so nice to see your face. Like, we have been chewing and froing for about a year to get this conversation up. Oh. Yeah, but then, you know, 2020. Exactly. <laughs> 2020 I don't happened. count 2020. Yeah, I know. Just, just a, a bit of a blip. <laughs> yep. Let's, yeah, exactly. Uh, but it's wonderful to see you and your smiling face and your beautiful, um, neat backdrop. I'm currently recording in my spare bedroom, which is... Covered. <laughs> oh, that's, that's my son. I'm painting my son's bedroom and that's all of his stuff yeah, on the spare bed. Amazing. Well, if I just like swung this camera to the left, then that's, this is just like one little meter that I've got. Okay. I have control of that. It's fine. Well, I, I appreciate it. <laughs> now I was trying to figure out how to dive into this conversation with you today, because I have so much that I want to cover. And I remember back in the day on the podcast, I used to ask people, how they kind of started on their current trajectory. And I wanted to come back to that because I think it's a really helpful question to ask, particularly if people know you from your work online, um, maybe they've read your book and they see this like person who has stuff figured out and has a philosophy and has a point of view that is steadfast. Mm -hmm. Have you always been environmentally minded or was there like a catalyst, a moment that you shifted? Always, yeah, always. Like even little girl in England, my mum always talks about it. Like I was five and I went vegetarian. Um, I got, I was distraught over, there was lots of whaling sort of images coming out in that time and I became very distraught. So I don't know if it's like that was kind of the the formulation of it all, but mum said it's kind of always been there. Um, And then I've kind of always been, creative as well so it's funny when you think of environmentalism and creativity they're kind of they're coming together now but I didn't really see a place where that could work as a job sort of thing like you kind of go you either go and be a scientist or you're an artist um but 
for some reason, when I went back to uni in, I think it was 2018, I was doing sustainability there and I just started drawing my notes and putting them up online. And that's how it all kind of started. That's really cool. I love it because you look at it now and it makes perfect sense. Yeah. You know, the, like I, I can't, I, every day I'll see one of your posts on Instagram or something and I'm like, first of all, you have such a fingerprint that is uniquely yours, um, which I appreciate how difficult it is to do that. Yeah. Um, and I think it's really wonderful. Uh, but it also just makes perfect sense that creativity, this, you know, um, this ability of humans to tap into wonder and imagination. Yeah. And of course it makes sense for it to come together with the environmental cause because we need those things to start making bigger strides. You know, we need imagination. We need curiosity and beauty and wonder yeah. and pair that with what we already know. And, and also just forward. the fact that, cause I've been blogging about it for 10 years, just kind of sharing my, my, how I was going. Like I did plastic free July in 2012. I think I was one of the first or the second round maybe, but it, yeah, it is, it is the fact that I kind of like put stories to it because we're so stories driven and stories are what move people. So that's where I see, I see a lot of people doing a really good job now of, using stories to kind of inspire people to kind of take part and sit up and and get involved so yeah it's kind of it's it's funny it's when I look back at my journey even when I look like I was taking a detour it's all kind of come together at this point now where it's all I'm using all of the things I've learned <laughs> okay so on that how do you not lose your mind when you find yourself on a detour? Like, because I'm asking, I'm asking for me. Um, <laughs> because you know, you 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 have moments, you have periods in your life where you don't continue on in the way that you expected you would for for whatever reason, you know, internal reasons, external reasons, and you're able to now come back and see that there was a lesson there, there was a purpose to that, there was um, something that you've been able to kind of glean from that mm -hmm. and made your overall purpose stronger but how do you deal with that in the now not well sometimes <laughs> like I, I I feel the same like I will kind of especially last year and me and you've spoken about the fact that mm -hmm. we've we both had a crazy year um and so I think it's okay to have that bit of grief because that's where sometimes I mean it's that Buddhist thing of of pain's unavoidable, suffering is optional. And I think mm -hmm. when you're sitting there and you're struggling with the fact that you're feeling horrid, that's when it turns into suffering. So I do kind of accept the grief of going, holy crap, how did I get here? Which is a definite feeling I had last year. Yeah. But the way I kind of look at it is I'm very much wanting to stay in line with my values. And I just make sure that whenever I kind of get off track, I pull back to them and remember what they are. And then I kind of, I visualize it and I tried to put this in the book um, where I've got a map and like you're, I've got the, that your values, your kind of true north, your north star. And I kind of think of it as a map. Like if I'm looking at like a hobbit map, like, a, like so, and you're seeing all the mountain ranges and things. I'm, I just try to head in the direction of my true north. And I kind of just imagine when I get stuck, like, oh, I went down this little trail and it's, it's a dead end. Damn but that's where I've got a head. So I will find a way to get there. I don't know. I really, I, I find a lot of joy in the Hobbit. <laughs> uh, 
Well, I mean, I love that because as soon as you're like a Hobbit map, like I'm right there in your brain. One hundred percent. Yeah. But also, I think the beauty of a of a map like that, like a stylized map, is that you can see where you're going. Yeah. And it sort of pulls you out to that ten thousand foot view, where I think so much of my own suffering comes when I am like right down deep in the dirt, looking at every single kind of you know piece of gravel and like wondering how I'm going to overcome that pebble and you know getting that perspective sometimes and just reconnecting and going okay like I'm here on this particular piece of the path right now but if I look at my 10,000 foot view or look at my map I can see that I have made progress first of all and that I'm heading in roughly the right direction and also I think it just takes away the um the, the blaming ourselves and just being cruel to ourselves like going okay I can see why I went down that path I was trying and I I hit a bramble bush damn and now I, uh, and it's going to take some time I'm going to have to backtrack to build myself up again and get back on the route but I always know kind of like the direction I want to head and it just I, it just takes away as I said the suffering of it I think because we can never predict anything I mean as 2020 shows us <laughs> like the it can change so quickly and so out of our control and that's what I think was so ground shaking for so many of us in 2020 we like to think that we have some semblance of say in what happens you know we like to think that we have a plan and that plan will roughly come to fruition yeah. and then the universe is like well actually <laughs> boom <laughs> 2020 has something yeah. to say to you, you know, and I, I really think that there was, as you say, almost a grief to that, like for people, I think particularly people in Western cultures where like we're very results oriented on the whole and, you know, really kind of driven to particular points on the, the ladder and that's like success, tick, 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 tick. Yeah. And when something gets in the way of that, it's quite confronting yeah it's very horrible to I mean obviously mortality was kind of considered in in the pandemic and still very present but it's kind of like you're confronted with like mortality and the fact that things can change on it on a hairpin like it's it's it is a really scary scary thought I, I liked um Liz Gilbert said that it was as if everyone got their dummies ripped out of their mouths at the same time and we couldn't like all the things that we would usually grab to we couldn't which is so true. Like all the, the external validation went and everything just fell away. Oh, I like that a lot. I really like yeah. that take on it. I don't know about you and how you have felt as an Australian about the pandemic and watching it unfold. I mean, we had, we certainly experienced our own outbreaks and lockdowns and things, but I have been living with guilt almost that, you know, we have been in, a, we are in a fortune position much more fortunate than lots of other places in the world. Have you experienced that? Absolutely. Uh, it's it's the weirdest. It, it's not survivor's guilt, I think. No, but definition. But it feels like that. Yes. I'm just kind of going. Hey, I don't get to feel like this is all hard. Right. Exactly. But, but that's not helpful because we are kind of like we are. It, I, I tried to change it and go. I'm very empathetic. And I'm empathizing with what is happening and I'm feeling the grief around and I don't know how to kind of move forward with my levels of privilege while people are, are struggling so much. Like it's quite, it can be quite overwhelming if you, if you mm. kind of focus on it and get too much in your head about it, I think. 
Okay, so this is a great entry point to what I am super curious about. You spent the majority of 2020 working on writing and illustrating a book about hope. Yes. And action and love and mm-hmm. you know humanity coming together in really beautiful uplifting accessible ways how did you navigate that what we were just talking about that kind of sense of of guilt and that overwhelming feeling of everything being ripped out from under us and like also being an empathetic person a sensitive person watching the devastation unfolding in other parts of the world like how did you grapple with that and come out the other side with what is a stunning book um, with a really I, I my heart feels lifted by it thank you I mean firstly hope is a verb was like a mantra to me I kept saying it over and over because I even personally we were going through some really it was the most challenging year of my life um, and trying to write this like this book that I wanted to feel like that I wanted it to feel like a pet talk and a hug and I wanted it to be this thing that picks people up and I just kind of I was just so gentle with myself around it like I just kind of went I know what to do and I think we always know what to do generally but we forget it and so I was kind of going through this process of rebuilding myself and looking back at a time it was quite meta really (laughs) because the book starts with me getting completely overwhelmed and losing all hope when I was in the the tuna isle of terror and I remembered this (laughs) it's seriously scary um but I remembered the steps that got me out of that and so then I was kind of in it while having to rewrite the steps so I was kind of like living them in real time Mm -hmm. and because it's a um chronological step-by-step thing there's six six steps to get you out of it it was kind of even though I felt like my workload was almost killing me it also completely saved me because I was reminding myself ah this is what I had to do and this is what it feels like to do it again so it was actually really good it was a good process for the book (laughs) that's really good to hear (laughs) um my experience was much the same. Yeah, I was going to say. <laughs> yeah, I I probably wasn't like I I started writing it pre um, bushfires of 2019 2020, and it had a whole different vibe. And then that happened, so obviously it shifted. Yeah. As you know, we experienced this collective grief throughout that summer, and then you know I kind of settled on a direction and a path, um, and then COVID hit. And I found myself, I found myself completely burnt out in a way that I've never, ever, ever experienced before in my life. And I had to write myself out of it. It was like, okay, this is the core of the book. This is what I want. I remember laying in bed one Sunday morning and Ben's like, what do you want people to get out of this book? I'm like, I just want them to care. Yeah. And I'm like, <laughs> bing. Yeah. That's the thing. You wrote the book that you needed. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. That's exactly how I felt with it. It, it felt almost self-serving in a way when I was doing it, um, but reading it now kind of on the other side, um, yeah, I can still see the. it wasn't just like a momentary thing is what I'm trying to say. I guess it was like yeah. there is something real in all of this and I can see the same in yours. Yeah. You know, you worked through stuff yourself, but you also already knew in your heart so much of what you wanted to share. Yeah. So it kind of kicks off, the book kicks off with you in the grip of eco-anxiety and I know that has many different terms and it's something that people ask me about a lot Mm -hmm. if someone is listening to this 
and feels at that point completely overwhelmed and hopeless almost, Mm -hmm. what's one thing that you would suggest to them to do that can help move them forward? I keep coming back to this at the moment. I think it's that the first thing you've got to kind of give it to yourself, like (laughs) let yourself feel the grief because I think at the moment so many of us are trying to kind of push it away and push it under. It's like that big inflatable ball that we're trying to push under the water and eventually it's going to burst out. Um, So I think for me, I kind of want people to kind of go, do you know what? It's really human to feel that anxious about things and to kind of almost like they talk about it in addiction therapy, but kind of like surf the feeling because feelings only last for 90 seconds, which sounds ridiculous, but they literally only last 90 seconds. However, you can spend 24 hours trying to push that 90 seconds off. So I kind of like, and that's, again, that's that struggling. So I kind of, I just want people to feel what they're feeling, get it out, name it as well. And then from there, you can kind of go, okay, so this pain that I'm feeling, how can I use this as fuel? How can I kind of bring my empathy forward and turn it into action? Yeah. And I think there is, I mean, that is a piece of advice or a suggestion or whatever that applies very broadly in life. Like, I was reflecting on it recently, actually. I went through an experience that was really, really stressful and upsetting. And I like sat still, like completely like a statue for about two hours, just trying not to feel this this feeling, right? And then I laid down, I'm like, just feel your feelings. This mantra that I used to say to myself all the time, feel your feelings. And it's exactly as you said, like you go in, but there is more ease. There's ease to the process of feeling your feelings than there is to rigidly refusing to acknowledge them. Yeah. 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 I find that personally, I'm able to then move beyond. And it's like the other side, the next day when you're journaling or whatever, you can go, okay, what did I learn from that? Yeah. So I think of it all the time in like, um, we're going on a bear hunt. <laughs> can't go over it can't go around it you just got to go through it got to go through it and um I think once you've kind of done that and you've let it happen you can flip it so you know there's the thing that all decisions or, that we make or all feelings are either love or fear mm-hmm. so generally pain we're feeling is is always like a fear state you're fearing something and so I find kind of like so overfishing being the one the thing the story that starts the book if I look at that and go okay so my fear my fear is that we're going to lose these things that are so precious to us like this biodiversity and our oceans and I've felt that now now how can I flip it over to love and kind of go well the reason I feel that is because I love my planet so much and I love the ocean and I love what it offers and therefore I want to protect that So that's a natural feeling. Like you kind of go, okay, I can be in the fear state, switch it to love, go, okay, I'm a protector of that. And I'm going to do what I can to do that and step up. And, but you you need to go through it. (laughs) You do. But I think that is so empowering, you know, because you no longer have to view yourself in that story as someone who is terrified. You are instead a protector, a warrior, a, you know, someone who will step up. Yep. And it's all through love. Like that is a phenomenally different story. Yeah. Yeah. It changes the, it's like a different filter. Exactly. Okay. So 
that's the other thing I wanted to ask you about in terms of filters. Um, you use you use social media really well, I think, to spread your message to kind of crystallize what it is that your purpose is. Yeah. I'm curious, how do you go about using social media, Instagram in this particular instance, mm-hmm. in my head, because that's all I use, and not get lost? Like, how do you not either find yourself chasing shiny objects on Instagram or starting to lose, to dilute your, your purpose? I've written it down. (laughs) So I've written down, I've kind of gone, okay, my, my brand is like a promise and I'm promising something to the people that are, are coming to my channel and I'm promising them hope. I'm promising them to make heavy subjects lighter. Um, and even sometimes when I'm not feeling that way, I kind of, I'm feeling very bogged down or I am feeling hopeless in that moment. And I go, well, that, that's, I've got to set that aside because that's not what I've offered. And I can feel that personally, but I've got to show up and do what I've said to do. So I had to actually, personally speaking, kind of put psychological different, uh, distance in between me and Eco with him in a way. And kind of go, okay, I can, so I'll kind of write down or sketch out what I want to say. And it might not have any humor in it at all. And then I'll kind of go away and have a think. And then I come back and I'm just like, well, I just have to do it. I just have to put something funny in there. And it makes me laugh in the end. Um, But yeah, I, I think it's really important to kind of like write down what my intention is. And so when I get lost, I go and look at it again. So this is what I want to offer. This is what I can offer. So just do it. Yeah. I think that's like, that's, that's again, values, right? Like that's you operating in a sphere of your values for the work that you put out into the world. Uh, and anytime you get lost, yep. you just come back and you, you look at things through that lens of the values that you like past you centered, grounded, you mm-hmm. has identified um, so that M who is like having a bad day or feeling heavy, doesn't need to do that work over and over again like you already know yeah exactly and it's yeah it is a touchstone that I kind of go to and but it is funny when I am low when I've kind of got into a funk and I am struggling to kind of get out of it I do notice it that I think it can kind of sometimes come through and sometimes I'll say look I'm feeling really devastated by this but I just try not to make it just the constant thing and I always go back to um I think it was Alexandra Franzen who's an awesome writer um, and she always says when she's working with clients, she identifies what does she want them to know, do and feel. So I just kind of go back to that and kind of go, okay, my mission is this. Now, what do I want them to know, do and feel? Yeah. And I want people to feel empowered. So, yeah. And you do. Oh. Like you're very, very, very good at it, truly. Um, I know the first time I ever came across your work <laughs> and I'm like, I like this person. <laughs> Um, I think it was you did that series of posters about um, litter and they were like movie themed horror movie themed yes yeah yeah and you had the Stephen (laughs) King one and it was like not it it was shit and I'm like yeah this is my jam (laughs) well it's the thing like it and I mean that's in the book as well kind of figuring out what universe we live in like the, the it's misattributed to Einstein but do we live in a hostile or or friendly universe and I just kind of like when things going wrong, I just want to think of it as a, everything's a comedy <laughs> and everything's ridiculous. And it just, it does make it easier. It stops me kind of going into that kind of tragic doom and gloom Armageddon sort of scenario. Yeah. 
yeah, I, I personally really appreciate your use of pop culture. Oh, yeah. See, I, I love pop culture. I love just like sneaking it into the images. <laughs> totally. I, no, I really, and I think that's part of the reason that you have this, like, like I said, this fingerprint in your work It's you have joy. Um, and I know that's hard. Like I know it's really hard sometimes to present joy when things feel heavy, um, but you do, you do it really well. So anyone who's listening who has not yet discovered M's work on Instagram or Facebook, please go and check it out because it's genuinely delightful. <laughs> Thank you. And as is her book, obviously. <laughs> so I guess we've sort of scratched the surface of this question, but I'm curious to know how during the writing of the book, was there anything in particular that buoyed you, that kind of lifted your spirits more than anything else? Something that you kind of touched on and you're like, oh, this is really important to me. So I've always dreamt of writing a book, always. And it kind of started looking like it was going to be more of a, real, of a reality over the past few years. And I always imagined like I'd go away and I'd like go into like a little beautiful cottage overlooking some sort of lake <laughs> I'd be by myself and yep. then I'm locked down and <laughs> everything is hard and I've got this poor senile pug that is dying oh god so it so I kind of I yeah again the grief but then I kind of went just no one promised it was going to be easy like that kind of got me through just kind of going this mm. it was never going life doesn't come with that guarantee it's not necessarily going to be easy so that kind of helped me just kind of go okay well god I've just got to get it done but I think what I turned to I heard I think it's James Hollis talking about this and he said what supports you when everything that supports you falls away it's family it's friends it's nature it's books it's stillness and that's kind of that did get me through like I kind of went okay cool this is this is hard as hell but all the things that I need are here and free and I can lean on them. And so yeah. I did. And, and I was very, um, I got to a point where I got very open. So I, I kind of went down a lot into a depression. It was definitely a depression. Like everything changed. My voice even changed. It sounded very mopey. Um, <laughs> um, uh, so I kind of went into that and kind of didn't want to tell anyone. And then I ended up just going, do you know what? I need help. I'm struggling and I, and not only do I need help, but this is the type of help I need. Like, yeah. I don't want you to fix it. I just want to know you're there and just to be able to talk a bit. And that, and that was the key to getting out of it. And that's what kind of, I just one foot after the other kept going and I'm, I slowly got better. It's a different thing, isn't it? To say I'm struggling and I need your help and I'm struggling and I just need you to hear me like, and to listen to me. Yeah. Uh, and I think so often when we share a life with someone who is struggling, we want to fix it. Yeah. Like, and it's not necessarily something we can fix in ways that are outside supporting them and loving them and, you know, being there for them and yeah. listening to them when they're really struggling or listening to them when they're trying to process what's going on. Yeah. I experienced the same um, supports pretty much last year. Yeah. And man, I worth their weight in gold people yeah. <laughs> and and I think yeah. I think it's important to note for people that that are um listening who might be going through the same thing that it also felt crap asking like it's yeah. not this like because people would say oh ask for help it's fine I did feel guilty I did feel yeah. like I I needed more from people than I could give them back but 
now that we're through it, I know that if, if any of my family or friends go through that, that I will be there for them because they've kind of got me back to my resilience. So yeah, it's, it, it doesn't always feel good. I even, I called a buddy um, helpline and it was the weirdest, most awkward experience of my life. I'm sitting there blubbing away, just kind of going like everything is hard, but I did feel better after it, but it, 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 it can be awkward and it can be hard. <laughs> I 100% agree. Like it took me months to say, actually, I think that I'm not okay. Yeah, something is yeah. off. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, now that I think about it, I'm pretty sure I'm back where I was eight years ago. Yeah. And it was funny. I lent on that for too long. Like I was like, but I'm not, you know, that was postnatal depression. That had a reason. I was, you know, my hormones were all over the place and um, excuse after excuse for not speaking up and that's because I was scared yeah like I didn't want to find myself back where I was and I wasn't back where I was I'm a different person now and I was dealing with different different struggles and in fact I wouldn't have coped as well not that I coped well at all but I wouldn't have had some of the language or um, awareness that allowed me to eventually get help if I hadn't have gone through that eight nine years ago yeah um but it's hard yeah. to ask for help I think we like to think we've arrived like when, <laughs> when you fix something you go oh, done oh, that's done oh, yeah never have now. to worry about that again yeah and and it's not and that's like um the the part in the book I'll try to just describe it for people but kind of when we hit and this kind of goes into the map analogy as well but when we hit a roadblock we tend to kind of like zoom in and it's just us looking up against this big wall and we're like that's it that's the end of it but when you pan out that's just that's just a blip and mm-hmm. the, the story goes on once you've kind of managed to climb over that wall and you'll hit the wall again and I think it's that thing it's just kind of it's nice to stop the kind of self-flagellation that comes with with feeling like you've taken a step backwards because it's not it's just part of life there's always going to be twists and turns and bumps and I think the more we normalize that mm-hmm the more helpful it is to all of us yeah okay well things were going great last month and now suddenly things aren't yeah um I'm not a failure yeah I'm just going through something yeah you go through something and then you look back and you're like oh I'm at the other side I did a thing yeah <laughs> but yeah it was ugly but I did it yeah. <laughs> it was tear stained but we're fine <laughs> but yeah I think because I kind of I think it also keeps you humble so yeah. it kind of stops you from like in when times are good it's kind of getting into that mindset of it's always going to be this way because it's not. Or also that like all of this good stuff is on me and yeah, me yeah, being yeah. awesome and me having all of everything sorted out. Yeah. It's like, mm. no, that's not, nope. <laughs> not really how things go, but you know, yeah. be happy for yourself. Absolutely. But don't um, overstate, yeah. <laughs> overstate the permanence of it. <laughs> but, and it's also that I think it also kind of like, it heightens your senses of appreciating it and being yep. mindful in it, like just going, oh, God, this feels so nice because <laughs> you can compare it. It's, yeah, it's a juxtaposition. And, yeah, I think it's made me love the small things more and appreciate mm. moments more. Mm. Yeah, what role does gratitude play in your day-to-day life? An irritating one. <laughs> so <laughs> it's like it's, for me, it's kind of like that advice, like, drink water drink all the water get a good night's sleep and you're like I hate you but 
it works and that's yeah. gratitude Damn. so when yeah. I'm feeling bad about something I do have to tune into gratitude and I do it begrudgingly and then I feel better <laughs> so I do like it is annoying well, yeah I actually totally get where you're coming from because it's one of those so often repeated pieces of advice for people is you know go in find something that you're grateful for and and see how your perspective changes yeah and I think sometimes when we hear advice over and over again, like drink water and get good sleep, we're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like how basic, but it's for a reason. And I think gratitude is much the same. I think it has probably suffered a little bit at the hands of like, um, you know, hashtag gratitude and hashtag blessed. Um, And it's performative almost Mm -hmm. for me when it works the most, like when I find it actually has a really, um, emotional kind of impact on on me is when it's usually in nature or with my family uh, and it, it's it's those moments where you just sit in the quietness and reflect on something tiny it's not showy it's not flashy it's like an eyelash it's you know the half moon on someone's fingernails it's like the tiniest little beetle and I find awe in those moments as well and the more I've read about awe and written about or the more powerful I think it is yeah. you know that sense of being a part of something much greater than you as an individual um, and it it sort of right sizes you yeah. and your problems not to say that it diminishes them but it it certainly just brings perspective to them like I keep a photo next to my computer of the Grand Canyon oh oh that looks amazing oh wow I took it on film, like on an actual oh, film camera. That's how that old it is. Better. <laughs> <laughs> um, and it's kind of like the, it was a moment of pure awe yeah. and wonder. Yeah. And I think that that's a, an emotion or an experience that we can tap into. Um, I, did you post recently? It was like a story on Instagram of dolphins, maybe? Me, me and my, yeah, taking Lucy when she's little. Yeah. I used that was to so beautiful. I used to work on a boat where my job was just taking photos of dolphins jumping in the bow, uh, in the wake. I mean, it's just like, what is going on? But yeah, and that's the thing. And I, I do the same. I remember last year when it was, it was rough going down, to, <laughs> going down to the beach and I kind of just like had my hands in the sand. I was looking at my fingertips and they were covered in sand. And I just like sat there looking at the sand and have you looked at sand? It's amazing. It is really pretty. Yeah. <laughs> and that's the thing. And I, it, It's the same thing. It did kind of bring me back into the moment. I'm just looking at it going, whoa, like all the different colours and textures and shapes. And it does. It just kind of grounds you back into, okay, this is what it's all about. Mm. Everything's connected. I'm fine. It's all good. <laughs> yeah, I'm here. Like I'm here right now. If ever I find myself really, really overwhelmed, I often just go to a place where I'm like, just look around and, and, and say something true, you yeah. know, say something that is true right now. Like the wall is pink. Yeah. Um, you know, the sun is shining on the bushes outside, yeah. uh, whatever. And it, it just, that is like mindfulness to me. It is just coming back to the simplest, gr- most granular approach to what is happening right now. Yeah. I think often that kind of gets overcomplicated well when we're when we're overwhelmed we get so pulled so far into the future that's one of my main things I, I love what Matt 
Matt Haig says about um, anxiety, where he's kind of like, he just thinks of it like a a bit of an injury now, Mm. whereas he's got to kind of like the way he moves, he's just got to make sure that he watches it and occasionally it will flare up if he doesn't do the right thing or if he's working too hard. So I kind of, I I keep my thought on that with anxiety and overwhelm because those are my my things. Yeah. Um, And I do think that they kind of like, they do try to pull you too far into the future and you come up with all the different ideas and possibilities and you can just get completely lost in that. And so, yeah, yeah there is so much power in kind of coming back and just, uh, I think Oprah says it, like just coming back to your breath. <laughs> like if you can be grateful for one, if you can't be grateful for anything, just be grateful of your next breath. And exactly slowly, it's literally a foot in front of the other step out of things. Like it's a slow process, but it does get you there. It's so, it's so interesting to me that like some of the bigger, deeper thinkers of our generation um, and we have at our fingertips all of the theories about the world and all, you know, all of the mystery and magic and the things we know and the things we don't know. And some of the deepest thinkers that we have access to their work, they come back to the simplest of things, yeah, you know. always. And I think there's so much in that. So a big part of your work is also unpacking capitalism and consumerism um, and the prejudice and privilege that apply to, to those things. Where, like, where do you sit, I guess, with the uh, accumulation of stuff? And, I mean, we live in a capitalist society, whether we want to or not. You and I write books. Um, You know, how do you find a gentler way through that, I guess, as a mum as well? That is a genuine challenge. And I don't want to be this kind of mum that says no to everything because I think I could kind of see that creating a monster when they're older and they've got their own agency it is hard it's really hard and I I mean I got I had someone a few people sending me like angry messages because I sell prints and they're like well you say not to buy anything and I'm like well no I just think we need to be very intentional about what we bring into our lives I think we need to support people who are doing it right or trying everything they can support local businesses and I just make sure I kind of weave intention into everything I can so with my prints, I decentralized the production of them and the mailing. So they've got lower emissions. Um, so if someone buys in England, they get it shipped from England instead of Australia. And that's kind of just a way that makes me feel like, okay, I'm in a system that I can't get out of, but I'm doing the best I can to at least change it a bit and push it in the right direction. And every dollar we spend does do that we, we are pushing it in the right right direction who knows where it'll be because capitalism is outdated and it's it's amazing that when I've, I've said this if ever I put anything up about capitalism someone will come back in the comments and be like well that's why you're where you are like it's like yeah well like, I mean I'm a beneficiary of of this and I'm I am very privileged but you can still be part of something and acknowledge it needs to be changed in fact, I think that that's, I'd argue that that's actually the only way that you can is to be a part of it and to want it to be better. Well, you, I mean, yeah, that's the thing. I could go live off grid in a yurt and not shave and be away from everyone. Um, but then my impact is only as far as, as, as I go. Whereas if you kind of a part of the system and you try to swim against the current, it's kind of like Nemo. Well, they all start swimming down from the net <laughs> and, they, and they break it open, but that's that's it. Exactly. And if Nemo was just like a hermit crab, no one would care. Yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> I love 
in saying that, when you're like, I could go and live in a year and not shave and not talk to anyone, I'm like, could I do that like half the time? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but it is tempting. It's definitely, I don't want to yeah. human today. <laughs> totally. Exactly. And I want an animal today. That, like, going back to that comment too, it always amuses me that we are like, I'm going out into nature. I say it all the time. Like, I'm, I'm yeah. going out into nature. I'm, I'm going to spend some time in the natural environment. I am yeah. part of the natural environment, you know. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I think like we often set that aside or set like nature up on a pedestal. Like you need to go into a national park and you need to um, hike and you need to camp overnight and you need to yeah. do this and do that in order to be someone who loves nature. Mm-hmm. What's your response to that? Because I know mine, but I'm curious about yours. Yeah, no, no, I think that's such an important point um because I do think there are people that kind of go oh well I live in the city I can't I'm not going to be an environmental person I can't homestead and roam everything by myself and you just kind of go there's always going to be city dwellers there's always going to be people living in the country regardless of where you live we all need to get on board with fixing our nature Mm -hmm. and the environment around it that we have kind of trashed a little bit yeah I, I tell people to just kind of wherever you are bring nature in and help it grow and that's and we saw that during the pandemic the appreciation for green spaces I can't remember the statistic went through the roof yep and people buying plants for their house and there's the I know that there's a there's a study where they had two different jails and they had pictures of um natural amazing natural scenes around the jail and the people that the people in the jail um, with the nature pictures, the aggression and violence went down at a crazy amount. Yeah. So it kind of, it really excites me in that way, thinking of we've got this appreciation now, we understand what it's like to be deprived of it, like the poor people in lockdown who don't have access to it. I just, and so I, I hope that that drives people to make more green spaces, make mm-hmm. urban gardens, um, rooftop gardens, all this stuff that, has massive sustainable um, impact as well. So, yeah, what do you think about it? Um, yeah, much the same, actually. Yeah. You know, I think that we can, if, if we view ourselves of, as part of nature and ourselves as an ecosystem, yeah. you know, um, I think that that's, again, going back to awe, I find a lot of awe in that understanding and that sort of realisation. And then that we are in so many incredible ways connected to like the natural world around us. I mean, the air that yep. we breathe and the water that we drink yeah. and the ground that we walk on and, you know, the the one tree that we might walk past on our way to work or whatever, we're all part of this same thing. And I think if someone growing like a chia pet on their desk at work, yeah. you know, like I think that you find wonder in that because you, know, you water it and then in a few days you see the first little tendrils starting to poke through and it's thrilling yeah you know I have so many friends who are like I didn't get the whole plant thing until I had one mm-hmm. and I celebrated a new leaf yeah you know? yeah that's the thing you see it uncurling you're like oh my god I didn't kill that oh my god. and it's yeah. now growing exactly <laughs> and like I had something to do with that you know I managed to strike the balance between not watering it too much and not watering it quite yeah. enough and, and there's like joy it, it really yeah. is and it's funny because I even though I and very much onto this kind of like biophilia and we are nature theme. At the beginning of this year, I was living in my mum and dad's, at my mum and dad's, we're pretty much living in the garage. So we'd slept inside, but there were spiders 
and I'm <laughs> yes I, ones like wolf spiders yeah um and even though I love nature I did want to cause them harm <laughs> and someone said to me like oh, one of my friends was like just spray it that is against so many of my values but I also just like I can't stand the fact that there was a wolf spider on my foot that makes me want to cry even thinking about it now <laughs> um but then I I, I looked we've got these we have these baby fairy wrens and this family of fairy wrens and these kookaburras I'm like if that spider is poisoned and then goes out and dies and then they eat it then the wrens are going to die and it's just yeah. it is that amazing thing where once you kind of connect to one thing you find it's kind of attached to everything else and that's that's the beauty of nature and um, I, exactly. I didn't poison it just to, okay. just to <laughs> there was a no judgment either way <laughs> <laughs> no I, I caught it anyway oh, I'm I'm the I'm the official spider catcher in the house I'm okay I'm I'm, I'm okay with them I never used to be um as long as they don't like they don't jump really quickly yeah that... yeah you know that's why huntsmen I found yeah. out the other day because um huntsmen move so quickly because they don't build webs so they have to catch you huh I'm like that's really really cool and slightly more scary <laughs> yeah because huntsmen to me I'm always like yeah you know they're huntsmen they're, fine. Like they're kind of we, we get a lot here yeah and I'm fine with them I'd, I'd prefer them outside but <laughs> you know <laughs> so is it the wolf spider that carries her young yes. on her back alive yeah mm-hmm. Sorry. Oh, I just, I can't, I can't express how I didn't used to have a fear. Like I've got a fear, a photo of me in Bali with a gigantic orb weaver that they were like, Oh, do you want to feel what this feels like on your arm? I'm like, yes. Um, but I got over my fear of flying a couple of years ago yep. and I think it was like a vacuum and another fear had to come in. <laughs> so now, okay. now it's spiders. <laughs> so weird. But it, you've, I feel like you've landed in a good place with yeah. them. You're like, look, don't right. bother me. I won't bother you. Yeah, yeah. Please <laughs> get off my foot. <laughs> exactly. Take your tiny thousands of babies with you. Oh, God, it's awful. <laughs> um, now, I know I sent you, I, I'm aware that we need to wrap up in a sec, but I sent you a um, message, I think, on Instagram last week just telling you how much my daughter, who is 12, absolutely loved your book. And... I asked her last night, I said, I'm, I'm interviewing Emily today. And she's like, oh, how do you know so many cool people? <laughs> um, she's genuinely starstruck Aww. by you. And she read the entire book within a day um, and told me that she feels like, this was exactly what she said. She feel, I feel like Emily gets me. I feel like we think the same. And she said, because I read from the beginning and that's exactly how I felt that sense of hopelessness and heaviness. And she's 12, man. And she carries the weight of the world on her shoulders sometimes because that's what we've gifted them, you know? Um, And she said, by the end, I was so excited and she's gone off to school and she has organized three events, fundraising events at the school, one for like world environment day, one for, I think there's school tree planting day and then one for world tree planting day and they're raising funds um, at school and they're going to plant trees and that was all on you. And now she's kind of talking to the principal about, um, you know, talking to landowners who might be interested in having a hundred trees planted on their land and that kind of stuff. And, you know, um, I just wanted to let you know that and to let people listening know that because it's hard putting your heart in a book Mm. and giving it to people and it makes an impact. I just need you to know that it makes a really big impact. And that's like one pebble in a pond that's going to ripple out so much further. And you're going to put 
a lot of pebbles in ponds. Oh, that is genuinely one of the loveliest things I've ever heard. Thank you. <laughs> I need to get it tattooed on my forearm. So whenever I'm feeling low, I just like look at it. And that's, I just, I love that so much. And I think that's what's so beautiful about being human is, I mean, hope is contagious and mm -hmm. we are all pebbles in each other's ponds casting out ripples. And I love the fact that I've touched your daughter. That sounds really bad. I've touched your daughter. <laughs> Sorry. See, I'm immature. Um, oh, join the club. <laughs> but I think that it, it is that like, I've touched her heart and then now she's going to touch a whole other people's hearts. And it's just, it just keeps going and it sounds really woo woo and fluffy, but it, it's, that's the point. I mean, you can, you can be in a bad mood and, and affect everyone or you can try and make a good impact and, and do it that way. And I love that. And what a yeah. little legend doing all that stuff. She is. Yeah, she, she is. She's um, <laughs> she gave a speech last year at school and she, the first thing she did was um, reference Greta Thunberg. Yeah, <laughs> and I'm yeah. like, yes. awesome. Yeah, yep. and, that's, and, and you, you really do have to feel for the younger generation. Like I grew up with, oh, my gosh, the ozone layer. Like the ozone yeah, Totally. And then yeah. and you kind of go, okay, cool, so I can change my fridge. <laughs> yep. And that's sorted. And yeah, exactly. Growing up with a whole new, and, and not only that, but the imageries, the images yep. of it, like they're seeing it constantly. So I think it's, I think we've really got to be, really gentle with the younger generation really show them the way of how they can they can make a difference and that we're participating in it as well yeah I think both of those are equally powerful yeah because I worry about their little hearts when they're watching documentaries and that are all really well intentioned yeah. but that give like real images to their future yeah she told me the other day she was worried that she wouldn't have grandkids you know mm. And whether that's something she's read somewhere or whatever, but like at 12 years old, man, I wasn't thinking about any such thing. Yeah. I was like thinking about basketball and yeah, I don't know, Vice Girls. And it's, I've seen it a lot in conversations lately after like the, the terrible heartbreaking violence that's going on over in America, police violence. Mm. Um, but I've seen a lot of people that I follow that are black that are kind of saying, hang on a second for our black girls out there, stop firstly only showing the trauma and secondly yep. show them like the, the, how they say black girl magic like you've got to be able to see yourself in a joyful scenario not just constantly painted as this one thing and and I think the same about the planet like we can't just look at the planet as something that is burning and dying and hopeless because mm. it's not we have time not much but, but I think it's important for our kids just to be kind of going like that's not the only part of it and to revel in the stuff that we have and the stuff that we've got left to save. I think it's very important. Yeah, no, I, I agree 100%. And I found myself thinking the same thing recently about um, like Indigenous representation as well. It's like, mm -hmm. um, so, you know, there's been an enormous unbelievable number of indigenous deaths in custody um and in new south wales we're like right in the thick of it yeah i think that same thing i feel like that that kind of message of joy and beauty resonates and, and ripples as we say into everything if yeah. that's something that we're open to yeah. like hope hope is a verb yeah yeah <laughs> yeah it's it, yeah it, it's so important i know uh chimamanda ngozi adichie she says like if you if you show a uh, people to be one thing that's what they will become 
Mm. And that's why I think, yeah, we need to diversify it and not just, it can't just be all doom and gloom. We've got to be looking for, for all the things that we have and the hope. Yeah, exactly. Thank you so much for your book. Thank you for your time. Thank you for being so open and honest. This was quite honestly wonderful. And I look forward to doing it again one day. Oh, thank you so much. It's been so nice being on here. And I just want to say that it's like, meta again because this is a podcast that helped me so much so for so long and now I'm on it so it's like amazing so thank you for being here as well pleasure who is that hi podcast